Welcome to Trinity Radio, the channel that loves atheists. I am Braxton Hunter, and I am so glad that you are here. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about one of the tropes uh, that is often used or, or uh, referred to about atheists, that they only became atheists or left Christianity if they were ever in Christianity or a particular religion because they wanted to sin. And uh, this is the kind of statement that will make atheists' blood boil. And as we jump into this, this is going to be responding to a number of atheists here. And this is in a series, by the way. Um, if you're watching this months from the time it was released, then it'll be in a playlist. And uh, you can watch all of them there. But I released a video sometime back called 10 Questions for Atheists. And we are now on question number three. This is the third question in the list. A number of atheists uh, responded on YouTube channels. Dozens responded in the comments section. And so... So I thought it'd be a good series for us to go question by question and see what they said in response and to try and uh, give some feedback. So that's what we're doing here. We're on question number three. I should say again, as I often do, that um, nothing that I'm saying is intended to be insulting or demeaning toward the person to whom I'm responding. Um, I, I think that uh, we can be insulting to people. That's not a good thing. But criticizing ideas is an important thing. Ideas aren't people. And uh, some of the worst things that have happened in the history of the world have happened because people People uh, were afraid <clears throat> to um, criticize ideas. And so we're going to do that today, and uh, we're going to respond. To, I appreciate all of the atheists who took the time to respond. I'm sorry that I can't go through. I think there's something like 15 YouTube videos that I'm aware of now where atheists have gone through the 10 questions. I'm sorry I can't respond to all of those, um, uh, but we're going to respond to a few here today. And we're going to begin by looking at Godless Engineer. He has showed up maybe in all of the episodes so far. Uh, nope, he's, he's in this one, and he was in the first one. And uh, the, the reason that we're going to begin with him is he's going to play the video where I ask the question, then he'll make his comments. Now, before we jump right in, I do want to say this is a question where it depends how you read what I'm asking. If you read what I'm asking as, well, let me play the question first and then we'll, we'll get back to it. When atheism becomes a part of someone's worldview, they typically change their positions on other issues like abortion, sexual morality, and a number of other things. I actually have several videos of well-known atheists saying that there's nothing wrong with prostitution, that they hope their children don't save themselves until marriage, and that sex workers should be put up on a pedestal no different than the military. I didn't use those here because I didn't want to seem combative to individuals, specifically the individuals who made those statements. But even if you didn't become an atheist just so you could sin, and I believe you, do you at least understand why those moves could send that message to people who might say that to you? Okay, now um, let me go ahead and uh, switch this around so I can talk to you. So what I'm, you can read that question charitably or not very charitably. If you read it not very charitably, you're going to say, wait, even though he says that he believes me that I didn't become an atheist just so I could sin, uh, the truth is, he then goes on, he, he, he's saying that in a, in, in a context where he's very much suggesting, maybe I did. That's one way of reading it. In fact, one person, Nathan Ormond, who we're going to get to in a minute, even wrote that in uh, his titles over the timestamps in the description of his video, um, something to that effect, I think. And so uh, that's a, an uncharitable way of reading me. A charitable way of reading me is to understand this, and this is the reality of it. I'm not asking you a gotcha question. I tried to make it clear in the preamble to the video that I wasn't doing gotcha questions. 
I'm saying I believe you that you didn't necessarily become an atheist so that you could sin. And we're going to say more about that uh, because obviously there are some people who, for whom perhaps that had something to do with it. I said what I'm saying is um, I'm asking you, do you understand that from the perspective of your friends and family who are Christians, who might say that to you or indicate that they feel that way, it's not as though they have no no evidence or no reason to think so. I mean, after all, what's actually going on here is that they know that you grew up in the faith. They saw you uh, quoting Bible verses, perhaps going to Sunday school or whatever. Maybe you were an altar boy or an altar girl or wh- however that works in other uh, branches of Christianity. You were doing the Christian stuff. Maybe you were asking Christian questions. You were uh, maybe trying to live the Christian life and all those sorts of things. When you become an atheist, The inclusion of atheism in your worldview, and I understand atheism is not a worldview, but the inclusion of atheism in your worldview means that it's going to change some things. You're going to all of a sudden, uh, perhaps, maybe there was something that you would have considered sinful before that now you don't think is sinful or even immoral. Maybe you now you're going to sleep with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Maybe uh, you were in an expression of Christianity that has some problem with alcohol and now you're drinking. Maybe you st- and and there may be other things that are individual sinful things that you're now doing sinful in the eyes of your Christian friends. You don't have to accept that it's sinful. I get that you no longer believe in sin. I get that. But from their perspective, looking at those things that you're now doing that are not that big a deal or are not that big a deal to you anymore and are not immoral from your perspective, in addition to perhaps changes in your uh, political ideology, such that perhaps you were pro-life before and now you're pro-choice. Perhaps you were uh, you had a particular view of human sexuality and now you're pro-LGBT. Not because you're LGBT, not because you're going to have an abortion or or whatever issue it is, but because um, now that you're not a Christian, that uh, you don't see a problem with those things, and and it may be that from your family's perspective or your friends. They're looking at this and they're saying, okay, he used to be in Sunday school. He was in the youth group. He played in the worship band. He was, uh, had all these Christian friends. He memorized the Bible. He tried to reach people for Christ or whatever. Some, some level of intensity there, maybe not that much, but, but some way you were living the Christian life. And now we see him doing stuff that he used to think was sinful or from their perspective that he knows is sinful, right? And perhaps he's supporting these, uh, secular ideological things because he doesn't want to look like a like a bigot or something in the eyes of the world. And so it's not necessarily there's some sin you're involved in from their perspective, but you're in from their perspective supportive of some sort of sinful thing, like abortion, for example. Now, all my whole question, my question was not there you go, you really did leave because of sin, but almost everyone in this list thinks that I'm saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I get that you're telling me that's not why you became an atheist. What I'm saying is, do you at least understand that it may be that your family and friends suspect that about you, and they're not just saying these things because they have issues with you, or they hate you, or they want to be adversarial towards you. It it may be that from their worldview context, that really does look like um, what happened. And so they're trying to make sense of it.
Why is that important, you might ask, to, to come to that conclusion? Because now, rather than getting upset and, and, and being aggressive with them or getting into a dispute with them or the relationship falling apart because you think they're just hating on you, instead, you can say something to them like, listen, is it true that the, would you say the reason you, you think that I became an atheist because I want to support sinful uh, organizations or whatever from your perspective or engage in activity that you consider sinful is because um, of, of these various issues? Because I used to be opposed to these things, now it looks like, and so that indicates to you that maybe that's my motivation. Is that why that is? Because if so, let's have a conversation about that. That could go a lot better. That's a question I want. I, see, if you want your family and friends to understand you, then it's helpful to make an effort to charitably characterize why they're functioning the way they are and why they're saying the things they are. And that's the only reason I'm asking the question, to find out the answer to that question. Is it possible that you're sending them those messages? That's something that I would think, though I don't expect it, because I know this is a highly emotionally charged area, and I understand why, okay? That's not, that is understandable. But... I would think that skeptics could perhaps benefit from reflecting on that and be in agreement with my presenting that as a possibility because it would lead to perhaps better conversations and less hostility. But if you read me uncharitably that I'm really not asking you anything like that, that really I'm trying to say that to you myself, well, then, then it's not going to go well. Perhaps a good way to hear a message like that or a question like that from a Christian is say, how would I react if an atheist asked me that question? And if an atheist asked you that same question, I don't think you would be so suspicious. And I don't think you would be um, you would make the assumption. You would say, well, I know that this atheist person doesn't think I became an atheist so that I would I could sin. So what are they really asking me? And that would have gotten you to my actual question. In fact, we'll see that some in the at least one person in this list gets so carried away responding to that trope that atheists just want to sin that he ends up not even asking answering the question that i actually asked at all so uh let's go ahead and hear the rest of what godless engineer has to say now that i've made that caveat no i don't it's clearly disingenuous to assume that a person is an atheist because they want to sin for one thing any moral position that you can think of can be held by both religious people and atheists while a specific issue may be a catalyst for somebody to examine what they believe that doesn't diminish the fact that that catalyst was a catalyst for them it's still very important. It doesn't mean that they just wanted to <clears throat> sin because sin is a religious idea. And once you shed your religious faith, then sin goes away. Okay, now we're going to finish the rest of what he says, but notice a couple of things. He's, he's not responding really to the question that I'm asking. He's responding to the statement. And I guess you could say it's, well, you no, no, you could say that he answered the question in a sense because he says, no, they're being disingenuous. But that's the very question that I want to probe with you. Are they being disingenuous, i.e. not sincere? I think that someone could sincerely believe, and from their perspective, as condescending as I know this may sound to you, sincerely believe they're trying to help you because they love you even if they're wrong, right? They could still sincerely believe and be asking you, and sincerely have come to the conclusion because from a Christian perspective, okay, look, 
John, I'm, I'm going to use you for an example. I don't know your backstory, John, but John, you used to go to church with us. You used to quote the Bible. We used to have good theological discussions. You played the uh, lion in the play or whatever at church, or I guess, you know, you, you, you did stuff in church, right? I'm trying to think of what you'd have a lion in a play. I guess maybe Daniel in the lion's den. But, but you did the stuff in church, right? You did all that. Man, you were on fire. And now look at you. You're out here saying that this isn't a sin and that's not a sin and sin's not even a thing. And now you're supporting uh, political positions that you know are wrong. And as harsh as all that may sound and preachy as it may sound, it doesn't mean it's disingenuous. They could sincerely have come to that conclusion on the basis of their worldview and looking at the evidence. And the problem that would be there if they're wrong, if they're wrong, is the way they are interpreting the evidence, okay? That's where that comes in. The point is that you're saying, no, it's entirely disingenuous because they're making assumptions. Hold up now. Making assumptions about someone and being disingenuous about someone are not the same thing necessarily. You can make an assumption and sincerely believe what you're saying. Now, I agree with you that people shouldn't rush to assumptions, but that's a little bit of a different point. The very point is, are they necessarily being disingenuous? And I think you've exhibited what I, uh, and you clearly stated that you think when people do that, they're being disingenuous, broad brush. I don't think it's necessarily a broad brush thing. Uh, they could be very sincere. All right. So I've said that. The second thing is I'm going to agree with you, John, on something here. You say, it could have been a catalyst. It could have merely, like, perhaps they did want to sin. I, I think I'm understanding you right. If I'm not, please forgive me. That is not, is not my intent to read you wrong. But if I am reading you wrong, I'm agreeing with what I'm reading you wrongly saying, or reading you wrong and saying. Um, it, could, it, it could be that they did desire to sin, or they did think, well, I don't want to sound bigoted when I think about human sexuality in the ears of some people in the secular um, platform. So um, th that may have been a catalyst to then probe things deeper. Let's take a, just a simple example. I want to sleep with my girlfriend. I want to sleep with my girlfriend. But Christianity doesn't really sit well with that, uh, at least the Christianity that I'm a part of. And I would agree, Christianity doesn't sit well with that if you're not married. So I, I want to sleep with my girlfriend. What am I going to do now? If it weren't for Christianity, all right, well, you know what? This may be a good time for me to sit here and think about why do I believe this anyway? And then maybe the individual goes online and does some research and buys some books and really legitimately comes to have serious doubts about the truth of Christianity. So that the desire to sin or the desire not to look a certain way to the culture was a catalyst. So it was part of it, but it wasn't the whole ball of wax. It truly turned out to be the case that they came to doubt. But even in such, and that's a possibility, and I am saying that's a possibility, but there's something we need to recognize that this actually prompts. And that is that people do not typically make decisions based solely on evidence. Atheists say this all the time, but then you have these atheists that'll show up. They will show up in this comment section to this video, and they will say, no, I came on the basis only of the evidence. And I think that kind of a person just has a biased blind spot. And by the way, people with a biased blind spot have uh, have bigger could have bigger bias problems than people who are aware of their biases. The fact is, people are complicated, and because of that, we end up 
coming to conclusions on the basis of a range of things. It's usually not just because of the evidence. Almost never is a decision made just because of the evidence. There are going to be other motivators in your life, other things that have to do with your priors, things that have to do with your psychology, things that have to do with your temperament. There's going to be all kinds of things, your relationships that play into that, whether you're aware of them or not. That doesn't mean that you can't ever make a reasonable decision about something. It just means that we have to be aware. And in a position where someone tells me, yeah, there was a catalyst for that, and it may have been one of those things, but then I legitimately came to it on the basis of evidence. Well, you, what's good about this is you recognize that you had a bias towards something. You probably had some influences on you to remain a Christian. Sure but you have some influences weighing on you not to be a Christian. Um, and so those, being aware of those biases is important. But when someone says you just became a Christian just so you could sin, they may be wrong about that. But what they might not be wrong about in a particular situation is that there was some sinful motivation, even if you don't believe in sin, or some self-interested motivation involved in that that doesn't have to do with just the evidence. So I, maybe there are these completely pure situations. But my point is not that you became an atheist so you could sin. My point is, do you see how it could look that way to someone? But you're right that a catalyst could be there from the sinful desires or whatever, or immoral desires, that then lead you to legitimately uh, try to seek out an answer. All right, let's keep going. Don't have a concept of sin. If you want to talk about immorality, uh, I wouldn't consider any of those things that you listed to be immoral. Okay, now notice he says we don't have a concept of sin. So how can you say we did this just so we could sin? Right. That's because you think that you. I'm not saying John is, but a person would might say that because they think what I'm saying is no. You really did want to sin. When the point of what I'm my video and the question in my video is to say no. I recognize that you no longer believe. And I recognize, I'm not saying that it's because you want to go off in sin. I recognize it's not. I'm not saying that. But in fact, in this case, you don't even believe in sin. I understand that is a religious idea. But from the standpoint, this is to read me charitably, from the standpoint of the person who's saying that about you, who does very much believe in a concept of sin, it could look a certain way to them. When you say what you just said, that prostitution and, and all these other things that I listed and having sex before marriage and, and these other things aren't necessarily wrong. So that can, <laughs> that can certainly send a signal. So if you're trying to make a case, no, I didn't become an atheist just so I could sin, and you have the wrong understanding of what they're thinking, it sure might look that way to them when you stopped being a Christian and two months later were saying that prostitution was fine. I'm just saying, boots on the ground, that's how it might look. And I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying let's have better conversations, understanding that it darn well could look that way to someone in your family and friends. All right, let's keep going. So it's true that some atheists do switch their positions on things, but also you don't have to be an atheist to hold those positions. I believe if you take a look at the religious community, that's painfully obvious. There are gay Christians out there. There are Christian pastors that actively go and impregnate young women and then force them to get an abortion. Okay, now hold up a second. There are gay Christians. Uh, there are people in the gay community who attend church and everything else. But here's, here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> many people who grew up in the church 
uh, and had an, well, take my close friend, for example, he grew up in the church. He read the Bible a couple of times all the way through. And when he began to experience same-sex attraction, at first he tried that approach to say, well, maybe God's okay with it. Maybe the Bible doesn't really teach this. But he worked on that for a while, and he was—he sincerely came to the conclusion that you cannot, and he could not, I'm not saying you're dishonest, but he could not have intellectual integrity and affirm that God was okay with this, the Bible was okay with this, a biblical Christianity uh, was okay with uh, him living a same-sex lifestyle. And so he knew he had to choose, okay? So people that are raised in those situations might well deconvert because they don't want to oppose that movement or because they themselves may be struggling with that. And again, I I have a whole video on my views on homosexuality, and I think that um, that is a complicated issue, and my heart goes out to anyone that's struggling with that, and I'm sorry for the way the church has treated some people in that. But but the point I'm making is, yeah, that may be true. Now, the second uh, situation where you're talking about a pastor who impregnates a young girl and then encourages her to have an abortion. Okay, you can say no true Scotsman fallacy all you want, but that doesn't sound like someone who's living the Christian life to me. You know, Jesus's position is why you call yourself my disciple, but you don't do what I say, right? That doesn't sound like someone who's who's a disciple of Jesus. However, let's imagine that that person truly is born again and did this horrible thing. Okay, does that mean that he believes it's not wrong? No, it doesn't mean he believes it's not wrong. It, it could well be the case that he believes it's wrong and still did it. Christian sin, that's a real thing. That is a particularly nasty sin in terms of the ramifications for sure. But uh, there's nothing there that's inconsistent with what I've said. There's also senators and house, and house reps that do that too, who are all Christian. So no. Yeah, that falls into the same explanation I just gave. I think that it's still very disingenuous for. Okay. Again, he says it's disingenuous. It, are you saying that they're not sincere? Like they don't like your family and friends who might say that to you. Are you sure that they're not being sincere? Like they sincerely came by this, honestly, this conclusion, if they're not, if they truly are being disingenuous and just being jerks. Okay. That's one thing. But if they came by it sincerely, I'm just opening you up to the possibility that they are being sincere and that they're not just trying to be jerks because the way that it looks to them, I'm just repeating myself at this point. You get the point. Okay. Anybody to automatically assume that somebody became an atheist just because they want to sin. Automatically assuming the intent of the person that became an atheist is very disingenuous. No, it's not. It's lazy and irresponsible, but it doesn't mean they're not being sincere. It means they're not doing their due diligence, but it doesn't mean they don't honestly and sincerely believe what they're saying. It doesn't mean they're being disingenuous. All right, so we're done with uh, Godless Engineer. Let's move on to, uh, he said something else about Joel Osteen, but just to save you a little bit of profanity, sorry, John, I'm going to jump off of that. And let's move on to Nathan Ormond now, and we'll hear uh, from another voice. I actually have several videos of well-known atheists saying that there's nothing wrong with prostitution, that they hope their children... (laughs) There is nothing wrong with prostitution as long as it's not, you know, the person who's the the prostitute is not forced into it against their will by someone else or uh, something like that. And, And arguably, there's something wrong about it if circumstances, right, force someone into doing that when they wouldn't really want to do it. But in just in general, just... In, in and of itself, there isn't something wrong about prostitution. 
Like, if two adults want to have sex and exchange money for that, like, why, uh, why is that wrong? You know, where's the harm done? You know, maybe she enjoys it. Even if she doesn't, she gets the money that she wants or she's fine doing it. Maybe, you know, you know, he gets what he wants. It's just an exchange of goods or services. Like, why, why is it bad? Why is it bad? Children don't save themselves until marriage. And why is sex outside marriage bad? I mean, like, and if sex outside marriage is bad, why on earth did God create us with such overpowering sexual urges and desires? Okay, now there's some good content to respond to. So, first of all, notice that um, even if you don't think that prostitution is wrong or that having sex before marriage is wrong, I get that you don't think that. Even if you don't think that, um, it doesn't matter to the question that I'm asking. The only reason that that becomes a big sticking point is if you think that I'm actually um, dishonestly uh, saying that I'm not saying this about you, but in reality, I must be saying this about you, that you really did just become an atheist so that you could sin. And uh, and I, that's, that's not the point. The point is to ask, do you see how this could appear this way to someone? And that's the that's the issue that I want to get to. Now he did ask um, a couple of uh, of questions about uh, particular moral issues that I do want to get to, um, and one of those is why is prostitution? He says he says prostitution is not wrong. Okay, well the question that I, I want to ask there is says who says who. And if you want to say it is wrong if she's forced or something like you said, unless she's forced, if you want to say that is wrong, says who? All right, let's go with your subjective morality. I don't know how you frame things up morally, Nathan, uh, but um, the way I typically see it done among uh, atheists that I've encountered on YouTube, and really the only way I think that it can um, consistently be done if you don't have an objective standard for, and I don't know if you're a non-natural moral realist or something, but barring that, you have to do it like this. You have to say, um, like Matt Dillahunty uses the game of chess, and he says, look, we subjectively designed the game of chess with subjectively decided upon rules, but then um, once you have those subjectively decided upon rules and game and goal and all those kind of things, then from that point, uh, we can't, there are objectively better or worse moves, and there is an objective goal of winning the game of chess. So we do have an objective morality that is subjectively decided upon or something. And that's cute, and that's fun, and I don't know if that's what you do or not, because I don't know. I've never heard you talk about it. The problem with it is, when you say something like, but prostitution isn't wrong, because who's getting harmed? And pound for pound, like, you know, all things being equal, she's not being forced or something. She wants the money. She's getting the money. As he put it, maybe she's into it anyway. Um, but if she's not, she's willing to go there and do it anyway. And he's getting what he wants. And all that. What's wrong? Nobody's getting hurt. What's wrong with it? Um, when you say that, all you're conveying to me is, though in my bubble of people that, uh, that appreciate morality and have the moral system that I most adhere to, we don't, we don't think there's anything wrong with that because we like certain things and don't like other things we like people being able to freely engage sexually um, and and that not be considered immoral 
um, so long as it's not coerced or forced or abusive or whatever else you want to say, right? Um, that's what we like in our bubble of moral system. But you can't say it's ultimately wrong, right? You can't say it's ultimately immoral because that would require um, ultimate transcendent objective morality. So you understand there are going to be people in other bubbles, like the bubble that Christians are in, and there are other people with other bubbles, and they have their own community of understanding morality. And if you're right about the ultimate state of affairs, there isn't a ultimately right bubble to be in or not. In these particular bubbles, people like the things that they like, and they don't like what those other people like. Those people over there like to uh, kill Jews. We don't like that in our bubble, and so it's immoral in our bubble. But they do like it in that bubble, so it's right in their bubble. I mean, you understand that. So for you to say, it's not what's wrong with prostitution, all I hear you saying is, we think that's fine in our bubble because of the stuff we like and the stuff we don't like, but you can't then, then consider, you can't, you can consider people in other bubbles immoral, but you can't enforce your morality on them. Like philosophically speaking, you may be able to make laws and force them to your morality, but you can't hold, it's not, your morality is not binding on them except by force, right? Um, because there's no ultimate right or wrong. So when you say something to me like, but what's wrong with prostitution? What's wrong with kids sleeping around before they're married before they get married? What's what's in what there's nothing wrong with that. I just hear you saying, I have stuff I like and stuff I don't like, and, and you don't like and the stuff I like, and you do like the stuff I don't like, and that's all there is to it. But you understand that has no purchase, really. That's just that's that's to say nothing really ultimately about it that that really matters. Um not, and I don't mean that sound insulting. I'm just saying it reduces to nothing because of the moral systems and how they play out. All right, let's keep going. Oh, he brought up another thing first. He said, well, why did God, if God didn't want us to sleep around, why did God give us such an overriding um, sexual desire? Well, first of all, uh, stick around, Nathan. It dies down <laughs> as, as time moves on. Uh, but fair enough. When you're young, why do you have this overpowering sexual desire? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to let it drive what you do. It can, you can, you can, uh, I, and I'm telling you, there are all kinds of studies that, that go into the sexual satisfaction of married Christians. Um, and the happiness level of women in marriage. We have a whole episode on that from last year. You can go check that out. Um, not many people watched it, um, probably because no one wants to hear me talk about sex. <laughs> but the reality is uh, that the, the studies are out there. And uh, the, so we're not like sexually repressed, but we are sexually responsible and we are sexually reserved. We recognize, as I've said before, that a fire is a wonderful thing. In your house, a fire can be a wonderful thing if it's in the fireplace. If it's not in the fireplace, if it's in the middle of the living room, your house will burn down. It's horribly destructive. In the same way, sex is a wonderful thing. Nobody thinks sex is bad who's a Christian, or they shouldn't. Um, but uh, it's not biblical Christianity doesn't hold that sex is bad. It's that sex belongs in the right context, just like a fire belongs in the fireplace. And if it's not in the right context, it will wreck your life. That's that's what we're saying. Um, and uh, that's that's biblical sexuality, and so um, so yeah. Why did God give us this strong sexual desire? Because when you when you focus that strong sexual desire on another person who you're not treating like um, an object, but who you have made a covenant with and a promise to to stay with forever, right? 
and you have that trust and you are sacrificially giving yourselves to each other, what can happen is, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. And it's sad that some people will never get to experience that. And if the response is, well, I know people who have experienced that and they were liberated once they got out. Well, okay, there are anomalies. I, I can find people who were uh, sexually active with multiple partners. And when they got married, they found what they think they really should have had all along. The point is, if you think you can't resist this strong sexual urge, um, perhaps my response would be man up, woman up, be responsible and reserved with this like you would a lot of other things. Now, you might say, but I don't have a motivation to do that because I'm not a Christian and I don't buy all that stuff. Okay, fine. I'm just telling you that the concept that God created you with this drive is perfectly consistent with uh, one managing that drive responsibly according to what the Bible and God consider to be responsibly managing it. Okay, anything else? And that sex workers should be put up on a pedestal no different than the military. What do you mean? Like, w what even is that one? I, yeah. I didn't use... What is that one is I, ha I am aware of, and I have a video clip from an individual on a very popular atheist show that some people like to experience who said that um, sex workers should be put up on a pedestal no different than the military because they're performing an essential function or something like that. Um, why is that relevant? It's relevant to make the point that if, if you don't consider, there are some atheists who consider this to be so um, that they can, they don't only consider prostitution to not be an immoral act, but consider it to be, in some level heroic, right? Um, or at least to be applauded and put up on a pedestal, right? To appreciate, to honor those people. Now, you may think that, or you may not as an atheist, because that's not every atheist. But when atheists or when Christian friends and family hear that sort of thing, it's no surprise that they might come to the conclusion that you became an atheist partly motivated by sin either sin that you want to interact with yourself or sinful activities, organizations, um, um, movements that you don't want to speak out against or be considered against because you might be considered um, out of step with the times or bigoted or whatever else. Okay, that's why that's an important thing to point out. Now watch what happens next, because here's where I ask the question, and we want to hear what Nathan says in response. Those here, because I didn't want to seem combative to individuals, specifically the individuals who made those statements. But even if you didn't become an atheist just so you could sin, and I believe you, do you at least understand why those moves could send that message to people who might say that to you? If it's a lack of belief, Wait, hold up. Hold up. Nate, where's the answer? That was the question. We just now got to the question. But this is what I'm talking about is if you think that I'm really just trying to say um, that I'm really just um, trying to find a way. Um, oh, yeah. So I found here on his on his description where he's he has on his video, he titles this in the timestamp table of contents sort of thing. He puts the num question number three is why did you become, why did you become an atheist just so you can sin? And then 
The next one, he puts question number three again, continued. I'm not saying you just want to sin, but I am, right? Okay, first of all, I didn't ask the question, why did you become an atheist just so you can sin? Um, and I didn't imply that I'm, I'm not saying you just want to sin, but I am. This is exactly what happens when you don't read me charitably. Ask yourself if an atheist asked you this question, how would you respond? Not the same way. What I'm trying to say, and I've already said it before, so I won't go over it again now, is, and he didn't even answer the question. He didn't even get to the question. When he heard part of the question, he just launched into, no, I, I didn't become, people don't become atheists just because they want to sin because blah, 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 or whatever he said. Responding to that, responding to what we recognize people might say. That wasn't the question. The question was, um, is it possible that your sin that atheists or you as an individual atheist might send them that message or they might reasonably come to that conclusion on the basis of what they see from the changes in your life and your uh, position towards sin or sinful organizations as far as they understand them to be sinful? Does that do you see how that happens? The whole point is that they some that your family and friends may some of them have come to the conclusion that you became an atheist just for that reason sincerely and that you can sincerely explain it to them. It's not necessarily disingenuous. That's the whole point I want to make with that question and to hear your responses to see what you think about that. But we didn't even get a response from Nathan to the question. We just got a response to that trope that some Christians use. And we're all aware of that trope, and we're all aware of what atheists think about that trope. What I'm asking is, could it be that they're being sincere? All right, let's move on to the next thing. Now, this next guy, there, there, were, a number, um, there were a number of atheists who started responding to the 10 questions after I started this series, because I, I guess they just heard about it because there was some word about, about my responses. They're like, oh, well, I'll respond to those. And this guy's one of them. And I find him to be a pretty funny guy. And I kind of enjoyed his responses. And uh, so I just found out about him like this weekend and, uh, or maybe last weekend, Thursday, Friday. And uh, so I thought I'd throw him in here because it's kind of what he initially says here is pretty funny, but there's some other things. So let's jump in here with Noel. Okay, so first let me say before I actually address the question, there's a, there's a wonderful bit that Braxton does there where he does the equivalent of me saying, you know, that, that well, listen, I've known Christians who have laughed at the idea of people burning in hell and the fact that they're not going to go to hell whilst other people are. But I'm not going to mention it because that might seem a little bit confrontational and I don't want to give that impression. I've just mentioned it. I've just mentioned it. Right? He gives about four examples of things atheists are going to say and then says, but I'm, not, I'm kind of not going to mention them when he just did. This wasn't a live video that he made, a sort of live stream. It was a pre-recorded video. If you don't want to mention those things, you don't mention them. But don't play this game where you want to mention them and then say, but I'm not going to mention them to get out of the fact that you've just mentioned them. I'm sorry, mate. I, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but I understand. Okay, now before we go on, uh, that is funny. Uh, what he's referring to is where I say, look, I've run into some atheists who, uh, who think that prostitution is fine or this or that or the other thing, or kids, they want their kid, they don't want their kids to save themselves until marriage or uh, prostitutes should be put up on a pedestal. But I'm not, I, but what did I say exactly? Something like, well, let's go back. Let's, let's actually go back. Okay, well, on that video, we are at the, 
uh, one minute mark. Let's go back to the GE video because that's where I, I had the question. When atheism becomes a part of someone's let's worldview, skip they just ahead of two individuals, specifically the individuals who made those. All right, statements. here we go. But even if you didn't become an atheist just so you could sin, and I believe you, do you at least understand why those moves? Could oh, I may have jumped too far. No different. Ah, here we go. Here it is. But they hope their children don't save themselves until marriage, and that sex workers should be put up on a pedestal, no different than the military. I didn't use those here because I didn't want to seem combative to individuals. Individuals, specifically the individuals. Yeah. So. I understand how he came to the conclusion that he did, but what I want to point out is what I was saying was, I wasn't saying like, now I'm not going to mention the fact that some of these atheists are okay with prostitutes. I mean, I was going to talk about that, but I'm not going to say that. I was going to mention that some of them want their kids to have sex before marriage, but, but, but aren't you glad I'm not bringing that up? I could have brought that up, but I didn't bring it up, even though I just brought it up. That's not what I'm doing. I understand completely, Noel, how you could come to that conclusion. I, I get it. But I wanted to play that again because the the but because what I'm saying here is though I normally would include the clips of those atheists saying that I didn't use those here is what I said I didn't use those clips because I didn't want to be insulting to who to the individuals I don't want to seem combative toward them in other words if I play the clips of the people who actually said those things instead of just telling you that I have clips of people saying those things then they're going to see their face and they're gonna be like why are you picking on me and these are pretty serious controversial things to say and I just didn't want to create a drama around that but I, I, I intended to have those statements in the video. I'm saying I didn't play those clips because they, that would be combative toward the individuals in the clips. That's why I, I said that. So I totally understand how you would come to the conclusion at which you arrived. Right, so uh, but, I uh, but that wasn't my intent. All right, so let's, but that's funny. It was funny. Uh, I don't know if people realize this, but sometimes when I'm watching atheist videos, even atheists who are making fun of me at the time, I can find their videos hilarious and enjoyable and entertaining. Um, so, I, I, but, and this is one of those examples. Uh, but anyway, all right, let's, let's continue on now. But I understand the point that he's trying to say here is that effectively uh, there is this fact that if there are certain things that as a Christian you'd regard as sinful, if you wanted to do them, then you may have a vested interest in not being a Christian so that you could do them. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, I had an exchange with Noel on Twitter, and it was pretty cool. Um, so I, I think I like Noel. But, uh, but that's not what I'm doing. Again, uh, that's to miss the question at the end. I'm not saying that's, that you had a vested interest and that's why you became an atheist. To anybody, I'm not saying that to anybody. Again, I think there probably are some people that that was a driving force. I think it's maybe an ingredient in the process for some people because we make decisions, particularly major decisions like this, um, in complicated ways. There's more than one influence in our lives. But I'm not saying that about any particular individual. I'm saying, right, we understand that Christian friends and family will say that to you, right? Okay. Um, do you understand there are some indicators in changes in your views and maybe in your activities that could send that impression? That's what I'm asking. Do you get that? Does, do you understand that? Th I mean, because th that it, basically that it might not be disingenuous, okay? That's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that is the case with anybody, any particular person. Of course, that, that kind of suggests that 
I, I mean, I, the mind boggles why a Christian, if you actually were a Christian to begin with, and actually believed in God, right, uh, well, I, that just doesn't make any sense, does it? It's like, if, the, if, if Mike Tyson is stood in front of me, right, and, and, and I believe that going, wow, Mike Tyson, you wanker, is going to result in him smashing me in the nose and breaking my nose and breaking my face open, right? If that's what I genuinely believe, I'm not going to... How can I then say, well, I don't really want to believe that because I want to be able to go, wow, Mike Tyson, you wanker, right? Without <laughs> him doing it. So I'm just going to stop believing it. Right, it just it might, the mind boggles really. I, I would say, with regard to that, that it, it is probably true that for some people who call themselves Christians, some of the sin and moral bullshit, quite frankly, is inconvenient to them. And so they do one of two things they either modify their Christianity, which is what most Christians have done for the past 2,000 years. So that, wonderfully, the objective morals of God is whatever they particularly wanted it to be, let's be frank. Um, that's what societies have done, and that's what, in many cases, individuals have done, or they just abandon the whole thing. But really, they probably didn't properly believe it anyway, because if you genuinely believe that having sex before marriage or doing some of these other things is going to lead to you spending an eternity in hell, what, whatever that entails, it's not great, is it, right? It's okay, now hold up. There's a couple of things here that I want to cover. First of all, he's hilarious. Um, secondly, um, I'm glad to see a bald or balding man uh, do well. Um, I hate that he's an atheist. Uh, come over to our side, brother. There's plenty of bald men over here. Um, but I'll, but I'll, but what I want to say really about this is, uh, yeah, I do think there are. I think well, point taken. And again, this is not the point of my question, right? I'm not making that charge. I'm saying when people make that charge, is it possible that they sincerely have some reason to believe that, and they're not just they're not just being jerks, basically? But I do actually think that someone could do exactly what you just described. And the reason is because, so they, they recognize there's, um, that they have a fear of God. They believe that it's true. They really do believe that it's true, but they want to commit a particular sin. Now, again, this is putting me in an awkward spot and commenters are not gonna, they're going to rip out of context. The point of this video is not what we're talking about right now. But if the idea is that this couldn't happen with someone, yeah, it could happen with someone, I think. And the reason is because of indirect doxastic voluntarism. The idea that when we really would like to, when we want to choose what we believe, right? If there's a motivation to believe something else, we hear it all the time, you can't choose what you believe. You can. Now, I agree that you can't do it through direct doxastic voluntarism, where you just say, I'm going to choose to believe that there's an elephant standing behind me right now in my set. Even though when I turn around and I don't see one there, I'm just going to decide to believe it. I get that I can't really deliver to myself on that. I can't bring myself to believe that there's really an elephant back there. But when we're talking about something like God's existence, if I have a strong enough, perhaps, desire, like to sleep with my girlfriend or to sleep with multiple women or to get involved in some bad business deals and make a lot of money through scandalous means or whatever it is, not that atheists do that. Okay, that's not my point. 
but but if there's some sin or or I don't want to be considered a bigot by the culture anymore or whatever it is, um, you can actually get there. You can choose to believe that, and but you do it indirectly, indirect doxastic voluntarism. You say, I'm going to see what the other side has to say and immerse yourself in say, atheist YouTube videos or atheist literature or talking with atheists to hear their side of it. And you could you could choose to convince yourself of it, basically is what I'm saying, rather than focusing even handedly or something on on looking at the best of what both sides have to offer. One could uh, have an openness to the other side and study only the other side. And that's what we call indirect doxastic voluntarism. And you bring yourself, you bring, you, you put yourself in a position where the belief arises organically in order to get to the thing that you want to get to. That really can happen. And in fact, it matches what the Bible might say about this. You may have heard people say that, that people in this situation suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I think that there are people who are atheists who are not being disingenuous, like they really don't believe in God. I get that. I really believe that about some people. But that suppression sounds very much like, um, and, and, could be, and it could be the case with some people, that the way that happens is, through putting themselves in a position where the belief is allowed to rise naturally. So they did choose to believe it. So I think that could happen. Uh, and I think it does happen. And I think I have examples of that happening. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there. The second thing is, um, well, but, but if I'm a Christian, I believe that if I sleep around with my girlfriend, I'm going to go to hell. Okay. There are um, branches of Christianity or, or, you know, perhaps minor denominations that believe that if you commit such and such, you know, commit 14 sins, but not 15, or you can commit this kind of sin, but not that kind of sin, barring the unforgivable sin or unpardonable sin. There's, we could do a whole show on what that is, but, but, you know, as long as you have only so many sins or not that sin or not that sin, then you're going to be fine. But, uh, but man, you commit this sin over here or you 14 and a half sins, and then you're going to hell. That's not how it works. Jesus died for your sin right? There are, uh, you know, Christian, Christians who hold that you can uh, be saved and then later not be saved, conditional security of the believer, but it's not because you committed 14 and a half sins or committed this sin and not that sin. It's because you defected, basically. You stopped believing or you um, voluntarily chose, I don't want this anymore or something like that. Um, th that's a whole other discussion, but it's not like I I'm only not sleeping with them. If I sleep with my girlfriend, I'm going to go to hell. Now there may be some, some young people who, despite doctrinal perspectives that they're aware of and knowing that Jesus died for their sins, they may still not sleep with their girlfriend because they're afraid that maybe my pastor's got this wrong and I am going to go to hell. <laughs> so there may be people out there like that, but that's not, that's not the setup. Okay. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's continue here going to be good if you genuinely believe that you're not going to drop it are you right i mean i would i, I wouldn't sin if i genuinely believed that i do all the right things i do whatever god said however hideous it appeared to be i just go along with it right yeah so you would sin <laughs> you would sin Noel. come on man you wouldn't sin I understand what you're saying. Like if hell was on the, like if we were standing on the precipice of hell and if I sin, I'm, I'm getting kicked in, right? That's something like that. But no, Christians sin. Everybody sins. Um, 
the Bible teaches that if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. We, we, because we're in this world and, and our eyes get, you know, like Peter walking on the water, our eyes get off of Jesus and it, it happens. You would. Um, and you're not going to hell for that. Okay. That's, that's just, come on, man. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But I think in reality, there are a lot of Christians by name who don't really believe most of it. And so yeah. maybe that 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 then plays in, in the- yeah no i think that's a that he's talking about something real that i think that really does happen people that are nominal christians they're culturally christian and maybe if you asked them a year ago or even now they would say yeah i mean i believe it all i believe it all but once they really sit down because a lot of people do not sit down and think worldview through like us in the youtube worldview scene right and when they really do, why, why do I believe this? Or they see Sam Harris on TV or something. Oh, hey, that's a good point. Do I really believe? And, and they realize that nah, I'm, maybe I'm just kind of a cultural Christian, right? It doesn't matter that much to me. And so it's easier for them to um, defect, right? <laughs> Deconvert. I, I, think that, I think that's true. I think he's right. They do drop their pretenses of yeah. religion because it's kind of inconvenient to just go along with it for the cultural sake of it when it's precluding them from doing things or holding opinions that they genuinely hold or genuinely wish to do. <clears throat> and also the claim that you make Braxton is very much a two-way street because one of the oft-cited claims for Christianity's success over the years is the fact that salvation is through grace, not works, right? And so it really doesn't matter what terrible shit you've done over the years, because all you need to do is sort of genuinely ask for forgiveness and and, and worship God and Jesus and all this lot, and all is forgiven. I I saw a wonderful documentary with, with a guy called Louis Theroux, where he went into one of these prisons and he was talking to some sort of, um, some prisoners, very, very religious prisoners, who were constantly trying to convert other prisoners. This was in one of these mega high security prisons in the United States where they're all sort of mass murderers and stuff. And this guy was saying to Louis Theroux, what a, what a wonderful environment it is for uh, converting people to Christianity, because the unique selling point of Christianity is it doesn't matter what terrible shit you've done, right? You're just forgiven for it. What a wonderful selling point that is for a mass murderer. Don't worry, son. Don't worry what you've done. All you need to do is accept Jesus into your life and that's all forgiven. And you're back in God's good books and you go to heaven. But if you don't do that, it doesn't even matter if you haven't murdered a single person because we're all born awash with sin anyway, right? Okay, hold up. First of all, that is a wonderful message to people who are in prison, who can be legitimately forgiven uh, of their sins. But what he's hinting at here, I think, if I'm understanding him right, is is what we call antinomianism, uh, which is a fancy way of saying, "Hey, now that I now that I'm a Christian and my sins are forgiven, I can just sin all I want, and then as long as I ask God to forgive me, it's all forgiven, and that's all there is to it." Right? Um, that that kind of person isn't really a Christian. And this is not a no true Scotsman fallacy. There are some people who are legitimately not Scotsmen, right? (laughs) Who might claim to be Scotsmen. Uh, So that there is a no true Scotsman fallacy. This isn't it because a person, because there's no, look, Christianity is about your heart. This is what Jesus had to say. Jesus was saying like you, you, um, 
Um, you, you've heard it. You've heard it said eye for eye, um, and and these sorts of things. But I'm saying turn the other cheek. You know, you've you he he's talking about um, if 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 you look after a woman to lust after her. You've heard it said not to lay with another woman. But I'm telling you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery. Um, hate is is you not to murder, but hate is like if you're hating your brother, you're murdering your brother. These kind of ideas. What is it telling us? Christianity is not some legalistic. And I I, I get it that there are Christians who make it legalistic, but Christ, and there are, there are rules that we could call rules, I guess, if you're going to be faithful to the Lord, but it's much more an issue of what's going on in your heart. And so, I mean, that's Jesus. That's right there. That's not like, oh, that's just your brand of Christianity. No, just read the story of Jesus. I think you'll be captivated by that aspect of it, that it's more about what's going on in your heart. And so as a result, if a person supposedly enters into a covenant with God and becomes joint heirs with Christ. Like this is kinship language in the Bible. Like who, who's going to be your kin now? Who's going to be your in group? And if you're, you're saying that's us, your heart better be in it. This better be something you mean. And if you don't mean it, then you're not that right. That's, that's the deal. So that's why Paul says about this very question in the book of Romans, um, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid that's not Christianity. That's not it. The idea is not that now that you're a Christian, you just do whatever you want and you're going to be fine. Um, that's not real Christianity. Or it's not saying I'm going to do whatever I want before I become a Christian and then I'm going to become a Christian because it'll all be taken care of. If that's your concept when you come to that point of repentance, then I, it, that's not real repentance. It's just not real. So that's not Christianity. Again, uh, the, the position of Jesus is why you call yourselves my disciples and don't do what I say. You're not my disciple just because you say you're my disciple. You're my disciple when you do Christianity. Okay, that's that's what we're saying here. So uh, the idea that in a prison, these guys, this is an incredible news for them. Yes, it's good news on a level that nothing else in the world can provide them. The secularism can't provide them. And don't take it away from them. This is amazing for them. Uh, but if the idea is, well, they can just be forgiven and then they can do whatever they want after that, that's not Christianity. And yes, you're hinting on something else. What about, let's just amp it up, man. Let's just steal, man, what you're saying. You've got a rapist murderer in prison who becomes a Christian and now his sins are gone. He's forgiven. He's received grace. And then you have a little old lady who never did anything really all that wrong in her life. She was a good woman from anyone's perspective, but yet she never accepted Jesus. She had opportunities but she never did, and now she's lost. Well, that just doesn't seem fair. Well, the idea is we're all sinners, but not necessarily, but we're culpable for our own sin, not necessarily because of the uh, hardcore Augustinian understanding of original sin that you presented that I get, Noel, a lot of Christians hold to, this idea that you are not only born with a sin nature, i.e. a propensity toward committing your own sins, but you're born guilty of Adam's sin. You're born guilty before you were given a chance. Um, that's a, a, a hardcore Augustinianism. The reality is you are culpable for you're a sinner because you commit sins. I'm a sinner because I commit sins. We're culpable for our sins. And even if, whatever you want to say about being born guilty, we all commit plenty of our own sins. Even if you don't believe in the concept of sin, we all do immoral things. So, you know, uh, that's that's an approach, an understanding that I think might help with that. All right, let's keep going can't abide even the slightest bit of sin so we're all sinful so it doesn't really matter whether what you've done is good or bad anyway
It does matter. It does matter. So uh, he's, I've already answered this, but I just, I just want people to really let it resonate that the hardcore Augustinian understanding that you're born not only with a propensity towards sin, a nature and environment inclined towards sin, but a guilt nature born guilty before given a chance. Uh, that, that's an, the, the idea that you have both of those things, sin nature and guilt nature, that's Augustinianism. And that's what he's referencing. And that's, that's not necessarily, I mean, there, I would, I would, I would invite you to accept an understanding of Christianity that doesn't have that. What matters is whether you've asked for forgiveness, whether you've asked for salvation. So the point I'm making here is you can make this argument of convenience either way. I don't think you can, if you understand the position I've just expounded, expounded. I think the mind boggles to me either way if you're not if you're somebody who doesn't think a god exists how you convince yourself a god exists indirect doxastic voluntarism of convenience i don't know if you genuinely believe that god exists i don't know how you would convince yourself that it doesn't indirect doxastic voluntarism of convenience but then i'm not everybody okay now i like that guy isn't he likable you're likable, Noel. But what I want to point out there is notice that that wasn't the question I was asking. The question I was asking was, do you understand how it could, when, when they see you changing, well, I've explained it. You get it. All right, let's move on to the last one, Crusade Against Ignorance here. <laughs> uh, um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know about this one. Uh, Joe, do you want to start since I... Glad I'm entertaining to you guys. The last time... I, no, I don't know. I guess, you know, I will. Um, I guess I can understand how you would maybe think that. I mean, it's kind of a common trope amongst evangelicals. Okay, now he said, I guess I... I think he said, I guess I can. He might have said, I can't. But I think he said, I, I guess I can understand that. That's it. That's, that's the question, right? I, I would understand any atheist wanting to say more, right? So we, we shouldn't be surprised to hear more. And we want to hear more from Micah but, and, and from the rest of these guys. But that was the question. To think that uh, secular worldviews are just the result of wanting to sin or something or some sort of um, rebellion. Okay, I mean, a lot of stuff he said is true. I changed my position on some things from when I was, you know, religious, but not necessarily for the same reasons. Um, I still had a good number of the same moral beliefs when I became an agnostic originally, two years ago or whatever. Um, and it was sort of a gradual change to believing other things as far as, you know, um, as far as sexual ethics and some politics goes. I was still pro-life for months um, after that until I started reading some more not to say that like once you read it you become pro-choice i'm just saying i wasn't i hadn't researched it much myself and i didn't change my position on that politics i was still relatively right-wing for a while um sexual ethics i guess i was still probably had some of the similar views some of the stuff he said in there i'm like yeah that's not that bad what's the problem but um okay now now notice a couple of things about micah i like micah he and he probably approached his family and friends if any of them said this he probably approached it the way I would want somebody to approach it. Like I kind of get why they might say that. So I'm going to ask, um, or I'm going to answer and, and let's talk about it that, you know, cool headed, even handed, but, um, but notice what he just said, which was, um, no, I, I kept the same views basically for several months. 
uh, that would be a good thing. And I'm sure he did. That would be a good thing to, to explain to your family, especially during those several months. Now, um, after that, your views did change, which um, does explain why once atheism becomes a part of someone's worldview, it does have ramifications on your other views. Um, I think that's unavoidable. Uh, a worldview change of that magnitude is going to affect other things in your worldview. Um, the web, uh, Quine's web of beliefs reverberates that way, right? The things, what, changing one thing, especially if it's a big thing, can affect other things. Uh, but um, that would be something to explain. And we do see that it, it does, your views do change on some of those things. So all I'm saying is when your views change on those things, you do understand why it looks a certain way and that your family and friends could be sincerely wondering if that's the reason. And it seems like Micah gets it. I understand for, of course, Christians, why they think it's a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, to the, you know, if, if you do interpret that as people just kind of wanting to rebel and sin, that's fine. I mean, I guess I can see how that can send that message if you're being really uncharitable to people and their life experiences. Well, and not necessarily being uncharitable, maybe, but it could be uncharitable or it could be a sincere, like, man, because we all have to have straightforward talks with people we love, right? When they're screwing up, when, when anybody's doing, if you got a friend who's on meth, you need to have a, a talk, a serious talk with them. We call those, in, in my family, we call those a come to, we need to have a come to Jesus talk about this, right? You wouldn't call it that, obviously, but, um, but that's going to happen. And it doesn't mean I'm reading you uncharitably, right? If I hold positions about sin, and I think that sin is a real thing, and it's a serious thing, and I suspect that that played a major role in, in your, it might be uncharitable not to hear you out, right? I should hear you out. But my belief that that may have been the reason could be completely sincere. Um, not that it should send that message, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the question exactly is supposed to be. He, his, the question part of it was, can you see how I can send that message? I'm like, I'm not sure that's super relevant. I guess. Well, it's relevant. Again, it, the reason it's relevant, Micah, is because what I'm trying to get at, and if it's probably, if you've watched this video till now, it's probably apparent, but in case you jumped, <clears throat> excuse me, in case you jumped to this moment is, and I don't think you would particularly have this problem, but if you think that your family and friends are just being jerks or they're just hating on you or they're just upset and angry and that's where this is coming from or something, um, or they're being disingenuous, like Godless Engineer said, maybe um, reflecting on the fact that my political views and my activities in some measure changed in ways that from their perspective reflect a sinful, sinful perspectives. And so it may be that, from, especially from their worldview, they could have arrived at this completely sincerely and, and they're not being disingenuous. And so that could make for a better conversation, my understanding that. And I could explain to them something like, well, no, look, my views actually have didn't change that much at first. You know, you, you could have a better conversation. Um, but if you but if you just think that they're being jerks and they're angry and they're hateful and being disingenuous, it's not going to go well. So that's the benefit, I think, from reflecting on those things. But again, I, I, Micah doesn't strike me as none of these guys strike me as the kind of guys that would that, that would have this problem. But anyway, let's go on. I can see how it can. But most of the time, the people that make those kind of claims are pretty, you know, unsophisticated in terms of their critical thinking about religion and atheists. So, yeah, not something I'm super concerned with. I yeah, they probably are. They might be. They might be not necessarily, but they might be unsophisticated in these things. But understand that not everybody in our lives, in fact, most of the people, are, and I know he understands this, Mike, I'm not telling you, like I'm trying to teach you something. I, I'm not doing that. But, um, <clears throat> but 
most of the people we interact with are normal people, right? <laughs> They're not people like us who are looking for logical fallacies everywhere and are thinking in terms of syllogisms. They're, that's not how they are. And what they're doing is they're going, huh, um, he used to he used to be on fire for Jesus, and now he's sleeping with his girlfriend, and he, he's in support of these particular organizations. It looks to me like he became an atheist because he wanted to sin. And I want to talk to him about that because I don't, I don't want, I, you know, I don't want to see him lost or whatever. You know, I mean, I get how that all sounds condescending and, and offensive, but it could still be sincere, right? That's that's all we're saying. Normal people, um, yeah, we should worry about normal people. We should we should want normal people in our lives to understand us, right? And I'm not saying like we're like people that think in these terms are better than normal people. Um, I'm saying people who are not. You know what I'm trying to say. Don't don't look commenters. Don't read that negatively. Don't don't you be a jerk to me out there. There's an interesting empirical question as far as how people's beliefs correlate to religious beliefs politically and ethically. But we don't I'm not going to get into the weeds of addressing that here. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just go to Joe. Anything? To, I mean, we can be relatively quick about this one. We've still got seven to get through. But yeah, anything else? No, yeah, no, that that's cool. So. I guess the main thing that I would say in response to this one is that it's going to be so dependent on the person. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's going to be so, it's, per, people's beliefs and their worldviews are so intimately bound up with their prior experiences with, you know, their, their seemings and their, uh, you know, what, what seems to them to be plausible, right? So, and that, that's going to be a different concoction of different factors for different people. And so I think that it, it's really going to be an individual by individual basis. And so uh, whether or not that's a, a charitable interpretation of someone is going to vary by who you're talking about. Absolutely. And so what um, Joe is saying here is people are complicated. And it may be that you can read someone charitably that they did this because they wanted to sin, right? Maybe maybe that's not what you're saying, Joe. That's what it sounds like to me. But he's also saying people are complicated human beings, and there and there are different things that play into our decisions. And I think that he says you have to take it case by case. I agree. But again, um, well, this kind of yeah, this kind of addresses my question. And if someone, if you get, the, but this goes back to if you really do think that that friend or family member is being disingenuous and being a jerk. Okay, fair enough. I'm just trying to prompt the notion that from their perspective, you're into stuff now that looks to them sinful, or you're supporting things that might be sin, or maybe not, maybe none of those things. Maybe you kept all your same moral things. Uh, your thinking didn't change at all. If that's you, I'm not talking to you, but from the perspective of, someone who maybe starts changes their views on sexual ethics, changes their views on, um, you know, the pro-choice issue, changes their views on X, Y, and Z and engages in activities that previously they would have considered sinful for that kind of person. It looks to people like maybe that's why you changed and they could come by that sincerely. So as a, as a categorical statement, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't grant, um, I wouldn't grant that atheism could send that message or things like that as a categorical statement because I think we should take this on an individual by individual basis. For some individuals, absolutely. For others, no, that's just a ludicrous, uncharitable thing. And so I disagree with the categorically sending that kind of message. Yep, agree. Good way to put it. Now, this guy on the bottom, I think, is a Christian, but I, I don't know if he's a progressive Christian or something. Don't, don't think I'm saying that about you. I don't know. I just know they reference here that he's got some... 
um, uh, views as a Christian that are at least uncommon to American evangelicalism. You want to throw anything in there? Because Samuel, you you probably have some unconventional beliefs compared to some other Christians based on uh, you know in terms of politics, sexual ethics, that kind of thing. Um, so again, we can move this to this one kind of quick. But did you want to add anything on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've lots of things to say under that response to that kind of question. But like, I just think that the problem that is displayed through asking that question is the evangelical, uh, a certain evangelical culture, which guilts people into certain lifestyles being, you know, intrinsically immoral. But not just that, you know, implying that. Um, uh, Christianity is a kind of conservative package, if you will. Now, you can't, on the one hand, according to a lot of these conservatives, you can't accept gay marriage while also being pro-life, for example, which is my position, by the way. Like, so a lot of these positions, uh, you know, conservative Christians, they, they lump um, all of these kind of liberal positions together you know as if you know if you don't accept you know on the dot every single conservative christian um sexual ethic or other moral ethic or whatever then you know you will inevitably be like um a, a, a moral person who's defending prostitution but I, I don't defend prostitution i'm against prostitution um and i think not just christians but all christians uh, sorry all people they should be looking at uh, looking at how people get into prostitution what socioeconomic factors causes people to you know drives people to want to become prostitutes and to lead those kind of lifestyles rather than you know when you know a conservative christian um becomes suddenly um a person who is a prostitute just for example right you know condemning that person for example i've, I've heard many stories of you know um people who who, you know, take an invert, they, 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 they invert their lifestyle almost like a 180 degree turn. You know, they, they go from being a um, very conservative fundamentalist person, you know, to being a very, what you could call, um, uh, not just sexually liberated, but like they feel that they are liberated from, you know, the oppression of religion or whatever. And I think th Christians need to look at why... Um, they, they need they need to address this false dichotomy basically you know you know um between you know a, a package secular lifestyle and a package conservative christian lifestyle that's the issue that i see in in this question yeah yeah so um that that was unclear to me i the, the principal point that he wants to make i actually agree with it should first be said that I don't know if it seems to him. I, I can see why it might seem to him if all you're watching is the media and stuff like, but American evangelicalism is not uh, just hardcore fundamentalism. It's not like I like, here's an example. I grew up around a lot of people who were like KJV only people, King James Bible only that that's not even almost a thing anymore. I know a few people like that. Uh, that, that I, mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone in my daily life that way. Um, uh, what are some other issues? 
I don't know. These fundamentalist type issues. Now, it depends on what you're calling a fundamentalist, too. It sounded to me like he wanted to focus at first a little bit on um, LGBT stuff, like um, maybe that like Christian, maybe he believes that gay Christians, um, that there's nothing sinful about engaging in homosexual activity. Uh, maybe, maybe he holds that position. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, most of evangelical Christians uh, are going to say that that's not biblically permissible. But here's the thing. That's not American evangelicalism. I think he's in New Zealand or something. I can't remember, but I've, I've been all over the world. I've met Christians, uh, in Australia, uh, in Ireland, in, uh, London, in Italy, in, uh, where Israel, I've, I mean, Germany, I, I, Canada, these Christians who, who would say, no, 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 uh, no. Evangelical Christianity holds that that's not a biblically permissible lifestyle. To act, to to live the lifestyle. Not, we don't think it's sinful if you have same-sex desires that you can't control. So, I mean, the the point is there. I think a lot of stuff gets dumped on American evangelicalism, and uh, fair enough. There's some stuff we do that that maybe we we earn that, but at the same time, that's just evangelicalism. Uh, I think maybe the numbers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the numbers are different. But uh, but anyway, uh, but the package deal thing with other things, I agree. I know people in my life. I do think this is a common conservative evangelical thing to say. Um, no, no, no. I am, I, I am an American and I am a Christian. And that means I am a Republican that has X, Y, and Z issues. And even stuff gets thrown in there that, that, that is part of the party platform. And the party platform gets melded in together with the church positions, the doctrinal positions. And that's absurd. Um, we need to care about the environment. Even if you're a Republican, a conservative Republican Christian, you should care about the environment. I, for one, am not pro-capital punishment. It's not that in principle I've got a problem with it. I've got a problem with the way we do it um, and, and whether we're consistent or not and, and, uh, and those kind of things. Um, I, so um, so I, I'm, I'm actually one of the most pacifistic people you're going to meet in terms of war. So I, I agree with you that the package thing needs to go away, um, that, that just because— I'm a Republican and, and evangelical Christians are often Republicans that everything the Republicans have on the ticket is necessarily a part of my faith now. I mean, that's, that's, that's absurd. And I agree with him on that. So that's a really good point. But then he said something like, well, I'm, you know, I'm against prostitution, but if someone becomes a prostitute, they were a Christian and they leave Christianity. Now they become a prostitute. Uh, we shouldn't, he gets into the package thing there. And I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. That should be part of your <laughs> evangelical package. If you're saying you're against prostitution. Um, so I, I didn't follow him there. Should we condemn people? Like, I don't know what you mean. I think if someone becomes a prostitute, this is where like, I wonder how many like evangelicals, I, I, I'm not picking on this guy, but I think this is a, a flavor out there in the culture. Like I, the evangelicals I know are going to be really loving to a person like that. Now, obviously, they're going to give them a message they may not want to hear, that they're going to find hateful or whatever, but that doesn't mean the evangelical is giving it to them in a hateful way. The evangelical is saying to them, hey, listen, uh, you know, I really, uh, listen, I, you used to be in the church with us, and, you know, I mean, the, the, this doesn't seem to be in, in accord with the faith that you once held, and 
let's talk and we look, can we get you some stuff? And they're usually going to give them stuff, try to help them, maybe help them financially. There's whole organizations that help prostitutes. I mean, I, you know, this is one of those places where I, I used to hear about all these Southern Baptists are coming to town and having the Southern Baptist convention. And man, they're going to be preaching all this hate speech against you gay, you, you know, gay individuals better stay home because they're going to, it's going to be hateful. And it's like, no, every year at the Southern Baptist Convention, there's LGBT people out there protesting. And every year, the the Southern Baptist pastors go over there and make sure they have water and uh, try to help get, get them food and talk with them and, and joke around with them and all these kind of every year, every year. So I'm just saying, don't don't buy the message. Um, I know that the message is going to appear bigoted to outsiders. I get that. But don't overblow the what you how you think um, evangelical America reacts to some of these things. So I'm not really sure what that guy, how it played into this, but I think he had something good to say, which is don't let your politics get so wrapped up with your Christianity that everything on the ticket becomes part of your faith. Cause that's absurd. So, um, in the end, let's get, let's get back to this in the end. Um, I think that, um, for the most part, the question was misunderstood and in some sense, in some places ignored. Uh, but there were some enjoyable responses, and it gave us an opportunity to talk about morality. It gave us an opportunity to talk about relationships and conversations like that. But um, I would, if the question, because it was a question, didn't make it explicit, let me put it this way. Consider the fact that your friends and family who are still Christians may have arrived at the positions they hold, um, the suspicions they have about why you became an atheist, sincerely and that will make for better conversations i can imagine some of you rolling your eyes and saying braxton i don't need you to tell me how to be an atheist okay then don't consider it me telling you how to be an atheist consider it me suggesting how we as human beings can interact in a better way i hope you've enjoyed this and if you have or if you haven't i'll see you next time on trinity radio Thank <music> you.